pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to open your word. We pray that as we do that today, that when we are done with this encounter in your word, we would better reflect the image of Jesus in our own lives. We pray in his name. Amen. So how many of you are up for embarrassing yourselves this morning by telling a time when you used the wrong tool for the job? Anybody? The wrong tool for the... How many of you have used the wrong tool for the job? Yep. How many of you have had really bad results from using the wrong tool for the job? Yep. That's not a surprise. I have in my hand a paper clip. It's a giant paper clip. I'm sure you can see it all the way in the back. Can you see this paper clip there? Yeah. Paper clips. They're really, really handy little devices. You can do lots of things with a paper clip. If you stretch this thing out like this... To make a little pointy end, you can clean the dirt off of your glasses without any difficulty. I had a friend in the Air Force who decided to use the paper clip one time to clean his ears out. Have you ever used a paper clip to clean your ears out? Nobody's going to own up to that this morning, right? Steve, why am I not surprised, Steve? Yeah. And, uh, and so he, uh, he, uh, yeah, he did that thing, and you'll never guess what happened. He perforated his eardrum. Wrong tool for the job. Surprise, surprise. There's a danger in not using the right thing for the right purpose. And that's precisely the point that Jesus is going to make for us in this morning's passage in the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to see Jesus on a little inspection trip of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this temple in Jerusalem that's there when in Jesus' day and time, in his incarnate state, is a different temple, a different version of the temple than the one that Pastor Loris read, read it to us about in the day of Solomon. By the time of Jesus' uh, incarnation, this temple has become this kind of grand construction project. It's actually King Herod, the bad one, is the one who kind of expanded the temple. But we're going to see Jesus on kind of an inspection trip and see his response to what he sees going on there, because he's going to describe it as inappropriate use of that sacred space. And when all is said and done, I think Jesus wants us to see that God's stuff should be used for God's purposes. So I'm going to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. It's on page 1573 in the Pew Bible in front of you. I'm going to read several verses. I'm going to read just verse 11 quickly, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 15 and read through verse 19. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so then Jesus leaves, spends the night out in Bethany. Verse 15, he's coming back. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers." I think it's important to note in verse 11, this first thing this morning, that Jesus is he's looking in on what's going on. And 
certainly in this day and time, he's physically looking in on the temple. And Mark, by the way, is the only gospel writer that records this inspection trip of the temple on the day before what we call Palm Sunday. Remember last week, Donkey Derby Days, Palm Sunday. And, and Jesus is in this kind of business of, of looking in to see what's going on. Now, this is not in a vindictive way, but it's in a he's the divine son of God looking in on this temple that had been dedicated, frankly, to him back in the day of King Solomon. When I lived in the common worst of Massachusetts the first time, um, my dad one day, he had to have his car inspected, and so he sent me, gave me the keys to the car to go get inspected. I had recently gotten my driver's license, and I discovered that with the freedom and privilege of a driver's license often comes being sent on errands that your parents just did not want to do. <laughs> so I was regularly dispatched to the store to get things that I can't even mention in public. And, to, and then stay. my dad decides I'm going to go get the car inspected. So I pulled the car into the inspection bay and the mechanic was there, and he, he goes through the things, he's checking out the lights and the horn and all the rest of the stuff that he has to do. And then this mechanic decides to have a little fun with the 16-year-old in the car. And he says, well, car looks fine, but we need to check you out. He said, can you do a hand signal for a left turn? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure this is on the list, but okay, it's my dad's car, I guess I gotta do it. So I did the hand signal for a left turn. And he said, all right, can you do the hand signal for a right turn? Yes, I can do that. And he said, can you do a hand signal for stopping the car? Yes, I can do that. This was all just for the inspector's kicks and fun on that particular day. And that's sometimes the kind of inspection that we think of. Someone's just toying with us. But that is not what Jesus is doing in this passage. What he's doing is looking to see if God's stuff is being used for God's purposes. And when he inspects the temple on this particular morning, he finds in verse 15 that the temple courtyard has been turned into a marketplace. Picture in your mind a yard sale or a flea market with all the noise and traffic, or better yet, think about the great American market, Commercial Street turned into booth after booth after booth of people selling stuff and giving stuff away and it's all raucous and noisy and people are going up and down the street not caring what they say or how loud they say it. Picture that in your head and that's what's going on in the courtyard of the temple. But that wasn't the only thing happening there. People in verse 16 were using the temple courtyard as a shortcut to get from one side of the temple to the other side, from one side of the city of Jerusalem to the other side. So they weren't there to worship or hang out or pray or make sacrifice. No, they were just toting stuff through the temple because why not take a shortcut? It's like somebody on 12th Avenue wanting to get to 13th Avenue and coming through those doors in the middle of worship, walking down this aisleway, up here, past out that door and out our back door on the north side. That's what's going on in the temple. So how does Jesus respond to this? In verses 15 and 16, we see Jesus' response. It's anger. Now, 
When we read about Jesus being angry, it's not your kind of anger or my kind of anger. Jesus is not ticked off because somebody cut him off in traffic. Jesus is not mad because somebody exercised a prerogative and cut in front of you in line. Jesus is not mad because the person in front of you at the 15-item or less aisle in the supermarket has 17 items in their basket. This is not just being perturbed and being peeved in this kind of, this kind of you know, this royal minds that we get when somebody is interfering with our plans. 1894, the uh, the Baltimore Orioles went to the city of Boston to play the Boston Red Sox, a real baseball team. (laughs) But what happened that day was anything but routine. One of the Orioles players named John McGraw got into a fight with the Boston third baseman. Both teams emptied their benches at this big brawl. The brawl broke out into the stands. The fans are all fighting each other, which is odd to me because most of the fans there were probably Boston fans. Why are they fighting each other? Somehow, a fire gets started in the middle of this brawl. The entire stadium burns down. 107 houses around the stadium burn down because somebody got mad about a play on the baseball field. That's our kind of anger. And frankly, our kind of anger has the potential to burn things down. But that is not the kind of anger that Jesus expresses in this passage. His anger, his, frankly, righteous indignation is his settled hostility toward those things that violate God's purposes. So what does he do? What does he do? Verses 15 and 16, he overturns the tables. He stopped the people who had made purchases from leaving the temple courtyard with their purchases. And frankly, you know, it's probably like that store in town. What's that store in town where you have to bring your own boxes and bags? Aldi's, where they make you rent a shopping cart? (laughs) I know you get your quarterback, but it's just wrong. These people leaving the temple courtyard, they were carrying their own stuff around, you know, and he stops them. Why is he so mad? Because God's place was not being used for God's purposes. I don't know if you've heard of the Darwin Awards. Every year they give out Darwin Awards to people who, by virtue of their own stupidity, have eliminated some stupidity from the gene pool. 2003. A guy named David Hubel, he's on Mammoth Mountain Ski Resort in California. And at a ski resort, have you been to a ski resort? Yeah. At a ski resort, all those poles that take the lift chairs up, all those poles have these big padded things wrapped around them designed to protect people in case they hit the pole. Well, this guy decided, David, bright guy, decides to take one of those pads up to the top of the slope and use it as a toboggan going down the hill. Guess what happened? He ran into the very pole he took that thing off of, and he killed himself. (coughs) The wrong thing being used for the wrong purpose. God had designed the temple for at least two things that are noted in this passage. In verse 17, it's 
a house of prayer. In verse 17, not only is it a house of prayer, but it's a house of prayer for for Gentiles. It's outreach. A house of prayer for all nations. A third purpose that's not mentioned in this passage is the place of sacrifice for sin. The place where people took those, yes, those animals, they took them to be sacrificed to remind themselves that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, we don't have a temple. What, what difference does it make for us? Well, folks, the church is God's new temple. Not the building, but the people. Uh, and I've been in a lot of different worship settings. I've worshipped in huts in Africa and warehouses in San Antonio And sometimes this is a really hard transition for us to make, particularly when the worship facility is is attractive and has a lot of historical investment in it. The building is not the church. You and I together, the gathered people of Christ, we are the church. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred. You, together, are that temple. The building is not the church. The building is the gathering place for that church. So, the first, a couple of things about this idea of God's people as the church is that believers together are the church called together for worship and evangelism and discipleship and fellowship. Matthew chapter 18, verse 24, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Pastor Laura and I went to a concert last night in Wichita. Michael W. Smith, 35 years of friends. That guy sang for three hours. Started at 7.30, ended at 10.30. We were toast. We stayed overnight in Wichita, got up really early this morning and drove back up here. A couple of points along the way, we looked at each other and said, can we just skip it? <laughs> and so I'm really tired, so if I fall asleep, you'll understand why. But let me tell you what happened at that concert. These were people I did not know. But I don't know what the seating in the Orpheum Theater is, seven, 800 people. It was packed sold out. And there was worship that was overwhelming. And that place, the Orpheum Theater, for those moments in time, became the church. Because it's not about the building. It's about the people gathered there together. But here's an interesting thing, at least interesting to me, about this notion of God's temple. Because in addition to the Lord dwelling among his people gathered together, he also indwells each of us personally. If we have a personal connection with Christ, we are God's place to be used for God's purposes. Don't believe me? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. 
God hangs out in you if you're a Christian. God hangs out with us when we gather together. And it doesn't matter where we are. Several of us went out yesterday for sandwiches and stuff over here in this neighborhood over on uh, Center Street where those apartment blocks are. And there there were two or three of us. Guess what? Jesus was there too. And so he's among us when we gather together. He is in us personally. And in us personally, he gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I love that. Because whatever spiritual gift you have, and if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. That gift is not for you. That gift is for the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. God made you for a purpose. 2015, a woman was going through her deceased husband's effects and there was a really old computer there been made in 1976 and so she brings it to a computer recycling center and the people that were there were obviously a little more tech savvy than she was because when they looked at it she said hang on they said hang on do you realize what you have here this is one of 200 computers In 1976, they were hand-built by Apple founder Steve Jobs. All of a sudden, the value of that computer goes way up. Not because of the component parts, but because of who made it. God has made you. Your value is inestimable. And he's made you for a purpose. 1997, I am not making this up. 1997, the crew of a Japanese fishing boat was pulled from the Sea of Japan after clinging to the boat's wreckage for several hours. They were immediately arrested. However, after authorities interrogated them, uh, they were immediately arrested after authorities interrogated them about the boat's fate. Because to a man, they claimed that a cow had fallen out of the sky from nowhere, crashed into their boat, and sank it. They stuck to their story. And the crew remained in prison for several weeks until the Japanese authorities were contacted by a slightly embarrassed Russian Air Force officer. It turned out that the crew of a Russian cargo plane stole a cow and put the cow in the back in the cargo hold of their airplane. But cows, being unaccustomed to air travel as they are, got a little restless in the cargo hold of the airplane and started thrashing about. And they were worried that the cows thrashing about would somehow disturb the plane's equilibrium and the plane might be in trouble. So they opened the back door of the cargo plane and they pushed the cow out, which fell from the sky and landed on that Japanese fishing boat and sank it. 
Talk about using the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. Some of you will never get that picture out of your minds. Well, we know from this passage how the Lord feels about the improper use of his stuff. And the church, not the building, but the people, you and I together, we are God's place to be used for God's purposes, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So are you? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you fulfilling his purpose for your life? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this account from the Gospel of Mark and Jesus' message to us about using your stuff for your purposes. And Lord, as we endeavor to think about not just physical property, but our own individual lives, more, more, more importantly, our, our, our gifts and talents and abilities we need to ask ourselves the question, are we being used for your purpose? And if not, Lord, prompt us to do something about that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.